Welcome, cinephiles, to another episode of A Bunch of Movies You've Never Fucking Seen with Chris Maxwell. I'm your host, Chris Maxwell. Today, we continue our series on Star Wars, particularly Episode 8, Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. Specifically, the Canto Bite Casino scene where Johnson pays obvious homage to the very first Best Picture winner, 1927's Wings. My guest today is actor Brandon Black. Brandon, how does Wings stack up against other aviation classics for you? Like... Howard Hughes's Hell's Angels, or King Vidor's The Sky Pilot. Wait, what? I thought we were doing The Last Jedi. It's called A Bunch of Movies You've Never Fucking Seen, and you thought we were doing Star Wars? Yes, I had never seen it. Does that sound like a bunch of movies to you? I, I watched all the Star Wars movies in preparation. And I gotta ask, why are there so many bad ones? That's it. Get off my show. Then why did you beg me to be on it in the first place? You know, this is just as bad as Brad's new podcast. <laughs> With Chris and Brad each doing their own podcasts, they were making enemies left and right. But was it even an enemy who killed them? Or could it literally have been anybody? The suspects are endless and the case is still open. Welcome to episode three of Murder Case. From Los Angeles, California, it's High On Film! Tonight, we've got Brandon Black and Brick. Sleep with your phone on, on tonight's episode. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of High on Film. I'm Chris Maxwell, your host for another week. Thank you for joining us. This is the third week of Noir-vember, and boy, is it ever a Noir-vember to remember, because our other podcast, our beloved other radio play podcast, Death at Sunset, is out right now, right now. Don't stop listening to this. Finish this episode, then go over to the Death at Sunset podcast feed, and enjoy. That being said, welcome to High on Film once again. Boy, we are uh, celebrating uh, Noir-vember this month, going through some uh, noirs that were very influential on the making of Death at Sunset. We're watching Brick for episode 257 from 2005, the directorial debut of director Ryan Johnson. I guess also his uh, screenwriting debut, but for some reason we don't say screenwriting debut if they also direct it. Let's get to the man who's right to my left, the co-host from the couch, the podcaster of disaster, and the Brad Davis that God gave us, my co-host and friend, Brad Davis. Happy to be here, Chris. Brad, you love this film, correct? I love this film. I've seen this movie probably half a dozen times, and I remember seeing it right when it, not in theaters, but pretty much right when it came out on demand or whatever it was back then, and I was floored by it. Yeah, I think I first got it on DVD, but uh, this movie has, spends like 15 minutes just hating on Brad, and I was wondering if that really uh, had it brought any conflicting opinion, uh, feelings to the surface. I mean, there's like 15 minutes where they're saying Brad's a sap, or uh, uh, calling him all kinds of names, saying, I hate Brad this, I hate Brad that, because of one of the characters' names, and it doesn't conflict your feelings. No, I mean, in the newest Spider-Man movie, they literally have a character named Brad Davis who they call out for being terrible and basically he almost kills him by accident. So coming off that, um, I'm good. You've learned to separate your name from your feelings. I would hope most people have. <laughs> Do you get mad every time somebody's a uh, bad person is named Chris in a movie? I mean, if they're a dick, sometimes I'll get a little, I'll be like, ah, you didn't have to call him that, though. But I'll, Chris, I know, I feel like is a more demonized name. So I'm like, I'm less defensive about that. I get more defensive about Maxwell's used in movies. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah, I feel like grads in movies are usually douchebags. Guys, okay, it's time to turn to our guests. A close friend and an incredible actor from shows like Dear White People and a high-on-film veteran, uh, where he's all actually already done a classic film noir on our show. 
Mm-hmm. Once before, covered death. Death. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> Starting off A plug. A plug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the classic Billy Wilder, Sunset Boulevard. Our dear friend Brandon Black has returned to the show. Brandon, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Oh, man. So good to have you. Uh, yeah, I, you were participating in Noir November before it was even a thing, man. What was it? It was so early in the in our episode run. We did I know. I, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> I'm proud of I'm proud of the the lineage I've created. <laughs> Excellent. All it's all of because of you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what do you think of Brick? I mean, if you we know you're well educated on classic noir, what do you think of this neo neo noir? mapped onto a high school movie. Yeah, tripped me out. So I, you have actually mentioned this movie to me before. So, uh, Chris, so I had seen it before, but I think that I kept trying to watch a high school drama and it kept looking like one and then not being one so I was like I don't know what I'm watching and then like this time you know I'm also I'm I'm a little I'm a little more well versed now in my you know film language and I was like oh okay so this is a a hard-boiled crime you know noir with like in a high school (laughs) you know like uh, I, I think that's why I couldn't watch it. I, I couldn't get through it before because I was like, I I know that this is important, <laughs> but I, did, I didn't know why. Now I know why. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, the dialogue is so stylized. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's so not the way kids talk, but that's part of the fun. Once um, I clicked into that, that was part of the fun. I was like, oh, like, yeah, that's the tale and the dame. Like, I was like, oh, okay, 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 okay. Now, now I can do it. Now I can do it. Yeah, I think this is a pretty pretty much a masterpiece of the genre. I will say we've done for Noir November, Double Indemnity, Chinatown, and now Brick. And I am, I can at least call each of these near perfect movies. Hmm. At least if they're not perfect. I agree. These are these are heavy hitters, uh, but we'll spoil that next week. Actually, <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll get to it when we get to we'll it. But um, let's get back on track to Brick. We've right. prepared a little trailer for you in case maybe you haven't seen this movie. But if you haven't seen it, maybe stop the podcast and watch the movie. There's some pretty big spoilers coming uh, in the future. Uh, but Brad and I have prepared a little trailer to get you uh, refreshed. So here that is. In a world where high schoolers speak like 1930s gangsters see. I sit out tonight and put her on the spot and put her in front of the gun. I was you, Angel. A tightly wound crime will slowly unravel. Toad here says I'm only passed she's dead. He says he knows who did it. And the man that loved her most will stop at nothing to find the truth. You want the whole tale? You want me to tell it to you? Brendan's search will lead him into the savage underbelly of the high school's most ruthless jocks, burnouts, and theater kids. Time to walk from this brain. Drop it. Walk from it. Drop it. And at the center of it all, the staple of American schools drugs. And I'll even give it to you, a little country class. How about that? So now I'm very, very curious what you're gonna say next. A missing brick of heroin. It uh, disappeared. Someone skimmed it. The local drug kingpin. But I bet you got every rat in town together and said, show your hands if any of them actually seen the pin, you get a crowd of full pockets. And a femme fatale you'll swear is Rachel Bilson, but it's not. It's actually Nora Zahetner. We don't play on have a place without you there. Will Brendan find out the truth? Or will it all be duck soup? It's duck soup. No. Focus Features presents a story worthy of Dashiell Hammett mapped onto a high school tragedy. You got a discipline issue with me? Write me up or suspend me. I'll see you at the parent conference. 
Hold on. With a superstar making performance from Joseph Gordon-Levitt. God, that must seem a real cad sometimes. I just hate myself. And a stellar supporting cast, led by Lucas Haas, Richard Roundtree, and Emily DeRaven. So if Emily DeRaven dies pregnant in this movie and arrives on the island pregnant and lost, and the island is purgatory, does that make this a lost prequel? Coffee and pie, oh my. From genre expert Ryan Johnson comes a detective story. Brick. I've got knives in my eyes, I'm going home sick. What a trailer. <laughs> really, I think summarizes the movie well. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant trailer. <laughs> yes. And now it's time for Trash. Star. Destroy. The anxiety I mentioned before this podcast, <laughs> right here in my ears. <laughs> what, whatever do you mean? It's just time for Trash Star Destroy, our favorite podcast game. Uh, we give you three movies of a similar ilk. We ask that you trash one, which means it's eliminated from existence. You star in one, which uh, you can take whatever part you'd like. Okay. Uh, and the third movie then must be destroyed, which means the only version of that film has been both written and directed by Mr. Michael Bay of Bad Boys fame. This being Ryan Johnson's debut, he decided to, uh, what would you call it? Not, not reboot, but uh, kind of give a fresh waxing to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's career with this mm. film. Uh, this literally rocketed him into superstardom. Deservingly so. He's so good in this movie. Absolutely. So let's do three movies where those two collaborate. We'll do Brick, the movie we just watched. Looper, their second collaboration, I believe, uh, with Bruce Willis. And the most recent Ryan Johnson movie, which Joseph Gordon-Levitt has a cameo in, Knives Out. Hmm. Trash Star Destroy, Brick, Looper, Knives Out. I am starring in Brick. What role am I taking is the more difficult question because the temptation is to take the Brendan role, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt role, but... yeah. I have a hard time taking that away from him because I think he's so good and I don't think I would be as good in that role. So I'm going to take the brain role. Oh, I would have pegged you for a tug guy. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> thanks. That's a little insulting. Um, no, I mean, you're a big guy, Brad. Well, yeah, he's also... You could be like the muscle. Yeah. He's a sociopath, <laughs> but sure. Uh, it's acting, Brad. Right, I know, but... Brain is mm -hmm. one of my favorite characters in this movie and has some of the best scenes. And that foil of a character is so fun for me. And those mm -hmm. scenes are so fun when they're working together that I think, and it involves less emotional work. <laughs> sure. Which, you know, I'm a little out of practice. So uh, I would be brain in brick. I guess I'm going to trash knives out. I really like that movie a lot. I think it's a pretty great murder mystery. But with Michael Bay doing it, it's going to lose its cleverness, which I think is the strength of that movie and the strength of any really good murder mystery. And Looper certainly plays more into Michael Bay's... I mean, Bruce Willis is in the movie. That already plays right into Michael Bay's hands. So Looper to Bay and then, unfortunately, trashing Knives Out. With nothing, with nothing but respect for Knives Out. I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I watched Knives Out actually pretty recently for a second time and uh, really, really enjoyed it. But I can't resist a re-teaming of Michael Bay and Bruce Willis for Looper. How could so you? So that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, now, I could star in Knives Out. I could do the... Take the Chris Evans role. I mean, that's pretty easy to do for me. That would fit um, for you well, actually. We're both yeah, insulting yeah. each other by saying that we would fit well as sociopaths tonight. <laughs> Those are the fun games. Fun <laughs> but it's too tempting to not take Joseph Gordon-Levitt's role in Brick and play Brendan. So that's what I'm going to do. And so, yeah, unfortunately, Knives Out, as much as I think it is a 
great murder mystery. I'm not a huge fan of murder mysteries in general. Um, like the talky detective movies that are like <laughs> from someone who just made a <laughs> radio play detective story. <laughs> great plug for the show, Craig. I love it. I love it. Literally your your passion talking. just oozes out of you. Death at Sunset, now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. <laughs> All right, Brandon, get us out of this mess. Sorry, what are you Brandon. doing with this trash star destroy? Uh, okay. Well, I also have to star in Brick, and I also have to be Brendan. Um, I would love to play a role that then catapults me into another, you know, dimension <laughs> as well. Um, into also, Christopher Nolan films. Yes, yes, please. Um, and also, I, I mean, I. I would love to see a black character play a role like that because I don't, that's what I want to do. And I think that my type lends itself more to that than what a lot of, I mean, I'm auditioning for some currently, so I don't want to call them by name, but (laughs) There's some shows right now that are still doing, you know, drug dealing, like, even though there's that in this too, but like, that's not my character, you know? Um, So I would want to star in it for that, for those reasons. Uh, I think that it would be really cool if, if you could see the same thing, but from someone else. So I actually, for someone who loves uh, <laughs> these kinds of movies and really is into Joseph Gordon-Levitt, have not seen Looper and have not seen Knives Out. But Looper, I would trash be because, mainly because I would destroy Knives Out. And that is because of, <laughs> that is because of Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, great, great actor. Um, love him. But now every audition I get says, like a Lakeith Stanfield. And I'm like, Okay. Of course they do. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's frustrating. Because that dude like, like a Donald unique. Glover. Yeah. <laughs> like a Donald oh, Glover okay. or a Lakeith Stanfield. I'm like, oh, so just you just watched Atlanta and that that's all you got. All right, cool, cool, cool. You know? So yeah, that's me. <laughs> Sorry, Lakeith. That is my fast art destroy. <laughs> Let's do one more. Huh? That one was so fun. Let's do one more okay. category. Let's do Neo Neo Noir. So Noir is made post-2000, hmm. right? Uh, we'll do Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from uh, Shane Black. We'll do Sin City from Robert Rodriguez. And we'll do Drive from... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Nicholas Winding Refn. <laughs> That's right. Of course. Yeah. Only God Forgives. Neon Demon too, which I really do love. Uh, it's so it's drive. Sorry, it's drive. Yeah, trash, try, destroy, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, Sin City, drive. I th- that's tough. I think I might star in Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, and I might take the Val Kilmer role. Oh, okay. I really like Sin City a lot i saw it a little later than everyone else and i think the gleam had Mm. it's very good and very well done believe me i also wouldn't fit as well in that movie anyway um and it would be fun to work with robert downey jr and kiss kiss bang bang i really think that's a very fun script uh to be a part of so i'm gonna take the val kilmer role which means i am uh, I guess trashing. Wait, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Sin City and Drive. Drive. Sorry. Um, that means I'm trashing Drive, which I really do enjoy, but I don't think that plays as well into Bay's hands. And unfortunately, Sin City does, though that movie takes a huge step down. Uh, I think with Bay directing. Hmm. Yeah, it's a really fun movie, and it's. I mean, it 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 falls very easily into the devil's works in Michael Bay's hands. <laughs> Brandon, what about you? Uh, man, it's like, 
I just I don't want to be like so um, stereotypical of like an actor, you know. Like also, just do it. Uh, just do it. Know, Death at Sunset coming out now. Uh, I play an actor, <laughs> um, but like, sure, here I am being a dude, bro. I would love to star <laughs> in Drive um, as Ryan Gosling. I'd love to put on those gloves and. John, that scorpion jacket. Yeah, and shift those gears all with precision and silence and shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep, he's a good one. Love him. Um, I haven't seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or Sin City in so long that I, this is surface level, but I guess I'm going to uh, destroy Sin City because I'm like, Michael Bay... Sin City, crazy visuals. He'll he'll blow things up, and there's sexy women in it. Um, Jessica Alba, yeah, Jessica Alba, Jessica Alba, when she's like the stripper, or what, so like he'll he'll love it. He loves <laughs> that's the scene. That's his that's his thing. He, he loves right it. Up his alley. Right up his alley. Um, so he'd be happy here in this scenario. And then that uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I guess that leads to trash, and I'm I'm really only trashing it because I haven't seen that in so long. I can't really remember. I can't even really I like I shouldn't say I've seen it. It's been that long. So mm. sorry, Robert Downey Jr. But I don't think it's crazy to trash Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because that's what I think I'm doing. Yeah. I, I also haven't seen it in a while. I do remember the movie and I really remember liking it, although I'm sure I haven't really watched it in modernity, like recent future. So I'm sure it doesn't hold up on all the Shane Black problematic areas that I'm sure most of his movies don't hold up on. Probably yeah. true. And yeah, like you guys, I, I think it's just too tempting to give Sin City to Michael Bay. I'm going to do that. It has the best chance. I mean, he has his best chance there. I don't know why I'm suddenly <laughs> catering to his chances, but that's what I'm doing here. Yeah. If he gets the cast, I mean, he could hold up and gets to reteam with Bruce Willis. Right. The, we <laughs> all the episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bay and Bruce. Yeah, but Brandon, yeah, that's why, man, don't be discouraged. I am absolutely okay. taking Ryan Gosling's role in Drive. I'm right. putting on that jacket. I'm driving around L.A. to awesome music, and yeah. I'm acting with Carrie Mulligan and Oscar Isaac. Are you kidding me? And Albert yeah, Brooks. Oh, yeah, and Albert Brooks, too. That's cool. He's, that's cool. He's the voice of my of a character in my favorite Simpsons episode. So, And Ryan Gosling doesn't talk much in that movie, so that would probably benefit me as well if I would have taken that role. So maybe I made a mistake. Well, guys, it's time for a commercial break. We'll be right back after this. (laughs) Ah, high school. For some, it's the best years of their lives. For others, it's murder. Revisit the teen detective from the small screen in the 2014 movie that bears her name. Veronica Mars. A former classmate ends up dead right before their high school reunion, and she's back on the case. Even though it follows in the long tradition of turning TV shows into movies, this one was willed into being by fans' Kickstarter donations. Kristen Bell and the gang is back. She thought she was out. Veronica Mars. On today's show, we're joined by one of the prime suspects in the murder, Actor and recurring podcast guest, Brandon Black. Uh, Did you say prime suspect? Brandon, we've heard the tape. On a scale of 1 to 10, how angry were you during the recording of Chris's podcast? Um, 6.5. Have you listened to the show? That's how all the episodes went. And your outburst on Brad's show? Was that an anomaly, or was that how his show went, too? That was pretty much how his show went, too. So you hated them. No, no, absolutely not. It, it, um, it's just that separately their podcasts were insufferable. <laughs> and he was right. In my opinion, insufferable might be too kind. Both shows quickly dissolved after surpassing Apple Podcasts' negative review threshold. Turns out there is such a thing as bad publicity. Not wanting to step out of the spotlight, they did what anyone in Hollywood would do. Go back to the last thing that worked. The return of High on Film, next time on Murder Case. And we're back high on film. Here we are talking Ryan Johnson's brick with actor Brandon Black today. Oh boy, we're getting into it now. We're getting into some scene work. 
Of course, I think it's pretty obvious we're an optimistic podcast, so we like to start things optimistically with... Best scene. Uh, we do this a little differently now, uh, Brandon. We do uh, a ranking of three. Three, two, one. Oh, okay. For your best scenes. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with... You know what? I'm going to go first this time. I never go first. Yeah. Do Anyone it. object to that? Yeah. Not at all. N- at least not yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wait till you hear my picks. Exactly. Uh, number three for me is the whole scene with Brendan and the Mustang. Mm. We're in the parking lot of the school, I believe. Brendan sees the Mustang. I don't think he knows it's tugs yet. The muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and he just knows it was the one that drove by that scared Emily off when she tried to warn him. And he goes to throw a cinder block <laughs> through the window. And it's so awesome. Uh, Tuck goes back, gets in the car, drives off, <laughs> and beat, kicks his ass, drives off, and then turns around and comes racing at him to which Brendan stands his ground and it comes within inches. This, this speeding Mustang comes within inches of him. I like blows his jacket on the way by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the near miss drive by is outstanding. Yeah. It's, it's one of the scenes that I first remembered when I thought of this movie. Mm. And I was like, wow, that scene was so intense. Uh, and it was so funny. Cause when he's picking up the cinder block, ready to smash the window, like threatening, it's so mischievous and mm-hmm. fun, even though it's, you know, I mean, it's a little like, you know, fuck the man kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really loved it. I will say about that scene. It is one of the two most memorable scenes I had from the, my first viewing of this movie. Like I mm-hmm. walked away from that with two vivid scenes of like, wow, that scene knocked me out. And I can't believe it's not in my top three, but it's not. Hmm. But I, I, I predicted this, Brad. I thought we might all have different top three scenes for this film. We shall see. Um, we shall see. I, I think my number two is, the, is well, I know my number two is the one that is the other scene that really stuck with me when I first saw this movie. And I want to see if it's the other one that blew you away, Brad. It is the reveal that the pin lives with his mom. And we come upstairs after this crazy basement seat negotiation in this bare bones basement room, unfinished or barely finished. And we come upstairs and it's revealed that it's morning and Pin's mom, the Pin's mom, who's a 26-year-old, like, townie, essentially. His mother is making breakfast and she offers them juice. And it's just so funny. Yeah. I Uh, love that scene. It's such a good joke that while this, this movie never breaks the world of the noir that it sets up with the language... This is a brief, well, I guess this is the one break that it does where it's suddenly in mid-2000s America and your mom's like, would you like milk or grapefruit juice? And it's so funny. Um, although I guess that could be a mom in the 1930s as well. So Sure. And you know what, Chris? I lied because there is three scenes because I actually wasn't thinking of that one, but there are three scenes that I took away from this movie the first time viewing it that stuck with me. And that was one of them because that is the tonal shift from what basically the whole movie has been. And we're probably, God, I don't even know, probably at least a half hour into the movie when that scene happens, half hour, 45 minutes. Uh, The tonal shift in that is unlike anything else in the movie. And it's so funny. It's such a good joke. It's such a good bit. And then it's right back to the tone, like right back to the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Like right back into it. Can't stray, man. You don't want to break that tension for too long. Mm-mm. Uh, and number one for me is uh, the knife chase uh, around the high school. The the uh, Do we know who it is? Like, I'm trying to remember now. Is it just some random muscle? Hired muscle? Yeah, it is hired yeah, black, muscle. Got in a black jacket. Yeah, it's hired muscle by, he thinks it's the pin, but it's not. Right. It's Dode. Yes. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. Wow. No. Either way, the, the, the actual character we haven't seen before. No, and we it right. is basically non we see at the beginning of the we see that guy at the beginning of the scene and we see him at the end, and that's it. Yeah. Uh but the 
I, I should say the shots uh, over the course of this entire movie are outstanding, but the, this little foot chase is so well done. And the sound design is through the roof uh, with the footsteps uh, and the different shoes. And then of course, Brendan takes off his shoes to fool the guy and then the bung into the uh, just pole or whatever it is there. That's is mm-hmm. so good. Uh, it's absolutely the most tense, exciting artistic scene I've seen in a while for like a pretty plain foot chase. Like there's no yeah. parkour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's literally just running around corners and trying to outsmart the other guy. It's, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And that was the other scene that I walked <laughs> away from this movie. That chase scene is excellent. You're right. The sound design on it is amazing. And the setup of how long they're running for, how much you hear the footsteps, and then to have it all come down to Brendan realizing if he takes off his shoes, he can trick the guy so cool. into not realizing he's stopped running is brilliant. It is so cool, Brandon. You're absolutely right. That scene is <laughs> terrific. So I'm sorry, is it three, two, one, as in like your third favorite, second favorite, first favorite? Like the Correct. number one is your favorite. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, three for me damn this is tough i really liked all three of these so much um i will say i i I also picked um the scene with pin's mom i just thought it was such a cool like little it, it it's the language of the movie is is sticking pretty hardcore to like the the hard boiled crime situation and so i love little moments of like this is high school though. And like, this is like people in or around high school, you know, and I like those little moments of like, yeah, but this guy's at home with this, you know, like he's all dark and shadowy. And then his mom's offering this dude, orange juice. I I thought it was great. Um, We already talked about it a lot with you. So I'll move to the the number two, which is something we also talked about with you, uh, which is that silent chase scene. Um, I, I picked it as well because I knew that I knew watching it, it was like it was like lingering like these long shots of just running and just that sound i was like there's some reason for this and when i see that i see he took off his shoes i was like that was so satisfying because i hate when people watch movies and like well, why why are we just hearing this why are we just see and it's like just give them a second to like see you know like my my friends like well why is there an octopus and i'm like it's jj abrams let him have an octopus in this show like he will tell you why later, or maybe he won't like lost, but that's okay. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, so that was like a fun little payoff for me because I was like, ah, that was smart. That was so smart. I just, it was entertaining. Um, and then my favorite scene though, was what I titled the recap scene. This is Brendan and Laura on the football field at the end of the movie mm. and he just tells you the whole movie one more time <laughs> so like make sure there's a lot of shit going on so here's let me just make sure everyone knows what's happening and he literally even says that's the tale and I was like I love the the, the like also I mean they were shot so close together they were like right in each other's faces and he's like saying, I well, I hope you didn't do that because if you did, you know, I just the way it was written, the way it was shot, I just know that like that takes a lot to be that still and to stay that engaged. You know, she's starting to like have a teardrop. And the way he's the the functionality of what that scene is, because I, I kind of needed it. At the end, I was like, give me everything one more time. And then he's like, that's the tale. And I was like, and then obviously that's the tale is like still in that language of like noir movies. And it's it was fun. That's so that's that's my number one. I great choice on that scene, Brandon. And I think it's interesting how they shoot it so close. And it reminds me so much of the end of Maltese Falcon. Mm. Um like even the word like I, I think maybe i know he took things from maltese falcon for this movie but how close they are and i there's a line in maltese falcon like i hope they don't burn you darling or he i can't remember what it is but it, it's very reminiscent of that and it clicked for me so much this time watching it but that's a great scene and like oh yeah it's a classic hard-boiled staple right yeah. i mean to have someone who's p- piecing 
bit by bit this case together and when they finally figure it out you get the climactic scene of i knew it was you and here's you did this you did this you lay it out you know it's your reverse bond villain right speech right well particularly the shot because they're it's the two of them so oh, close to each other and like it's just their two heads like right that's all that's in the shot it's right. very reminiscent ah i thought that was so cool even just how she was positioned was it was like i this feels like an old movie this shot i just i thought it was so cool even her little feathered thing she had in her head like oh, yeah. exactly what hat. i was gonna say like i almost you think know? like there's birds are so prominent in this movie it almost makes me think of maltese falcon too that might be a little mm. my uh, you know little easter mind, egg but yeah it's great ah brad three scenes so actually mine are pretty on par um so i actually had uh my third place one was a tie basically between what turns out to be the entire scene at the pins uh leading up to the scene with the mom um but i'm just gonna call out the one that was was actually probably my fourth place but just because we haven't talked about it the tunnel scene when uh brendan shows up brendan is like can't can barely stand at this point and again we follow his feet as he knows he has to go to meet with the pin and tug and dode at the tunnel where he found emily's body and we see his feet like stumbling and finally gets himself when he knows he has to be put together in front of them and then we get there and now dode is claiming he knows who killed um emily and it's tension because you think he's going to say it's brendan and before anything can happen tug attacks dode starts beating the hell out of him and then blows his brains out and it's the scene in the movie where while you see emily dead obviously at the beginning it's the first real violence you see in the movie Mm -hmm. uh like graphic violence and it uh, the tension in that scene is crazy they build it up so well it's it's a it's a pretty fantastic scene. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't. I there was some cool just shots of that tunnel that I thought were awesome. It's like, a hell of a location spot. Yeah, yeah. My number two scene is the chase scene. Uh, mm-hmm. We've kind of already discussed it. It's brilliant. It was one of easily it, probably my biggest takeaway from my first viewing of this movie was that scene. Uh, even as you know, fifteen years ago even when I wasn't as well-versed in movie knowledge, I understood how brilliant that was. And my number one scene is Brandon in the, uh, Brendan in the VP's office. Sorry, your name's too close to us. I know. Happens or the time. assistant VP's office. I, th- it, which is more a nod to the script than anything else, because I think the script is brilliant for a modern day noir. And the way they walk that fine, not that fine line, but like that scene, I feel like encapsulates what he's trying to do with this script, where it's in a high school, but you're still having all these 1940s, 50s, noir type stuff. And you get the uh, write me up or suspend me. I'll see you at the parent teacher conference. Do whatever you got to do so you don't come kicking down my homeroom door when trouble starts. It's it, it, it's that's a good one. That's it's good so one. good, and I really feel like that scene is a perfect example of the brilliance of this script. Mm. It sums it up the best more than anything else of taking this old uh, genre and the way they use the language in that genre and bringing it to modern day, and it works so well. All right, well, if there's a best scene, that means, uh uh-oh. There's a worst scene. Again, three, two, one. What are the worst scenes in Brick? It's hard to find three worst scenes. Yeah. I mean, mine are nitpicky, for sure. Hmm. Uh, Three for me is, and it's, it's completely necessary. I, I don't think this movie functions as well without it. But at one point they mention um, Brad, Brad Bramish as being like, 
uh, a character you need to know or uh, that Brendan needs to go see. And the, the very next scene starts with the character of Brad Bramish at his car saying, if you put me in the game, me, Brad Bramish, we're never going to lose again. And it's just so, it stuck out to me like a sore thumb uh, as just like a device I mean, I know we need to know that's Brad Bramish, but it's just so funny <laughs> that it's just that obvious. Like literally the cut to, it's just me, Brad Bramish. <laughs> Two for me is when the teachers drop the ba- the brick of cocaine out of uh, Laura's locker. Oh, that's just yeah. a wild mishandling of evidence. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's just... <laughs> Yeah, just bad. Like, what are you guys doing? Are you, none of you professionals here? Especially if you see it, just wait. It's like, okay, no, we got to get the actual cops in here and figure this shit out. That is a lot yeah. of heroin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and number one for me is when Brendan rips Kara's clothes off on the stage mm. and says, like, you can, you're showing your ace or whatever, meaning ass. It's like, that's a little much. You don't need to be disrobing women in public <laughs> yeah i mean rude yeah to say the least <laughs> probably a scene that wouldn't happen if this movie was made today right. yeah uh yeah my three are small um my number three is when we get to uh the party scene near the beginning and we see uh, Laura playing the piano. Halloween in June. Yeah. And her playing the piano and singing a song, which the song's fine. She doesn't do a bad job. <laughs> it's just weird. To, yeah. like, it's a noir trope, though, right? I, I know. Sitting it, on the piano, singing a song. It, it, ah. it, it makes sense for the genre, believe me. But it just felt like a scene that was not really necessary. Uh, and doesn't really tell us anything about her character that is pertinent to the rest of the story, which kind of leads me into number two, uh, which is Brendan's crying in bed mm. over everything. Like he's so <laughs> over everything, over everything. And he's falling over constantly in the movie at this point and can barely stand up because I guess he swallowed so much blood and it's him and Laura again. Truthfully, overall, I I think uh, Laura's character, obviously the femme fatale necessary for the movie, I think Nora, how do you pronounce her last name? Zephron Zeth, or whatever. I think she does a fine, a very good job in the movie. Nora Zahetner. Zahetner. Again, very nitpicky stuff, but this time viewing it, it was like, man, I really like what she's doing and I understand why, but everything else is so much more interesting. Mm. And the number one, my number one we're seeing is it's a point where Brendan's at pins, I believe, and he's using a mirror to reflect the sunlight to light the room. Now, it's cool. <laughs> it looks cool. It's a cool idea. Especially when the mirror's uh, spinning. I understand why Ryan Johnson did it. It's a very uh, creative way of adding light to a room. Hmm. But if that window is giving light to that room, you do not need the mirror to light it. You will be able to see all of that stuff just fine and he made such a point of using that device in that moment that it came off just a little bit like hey i have this really cool idea that will look awesome and it it looks very cool but practically it comes off very silly mm. that's also the same scene where the pin is like in darkness and it looks like he's about to start singing bohemian rhapsody yes because he's literally wearing black enveloped in darkness you only see his his bust yeah and it it looks like he's about to do a one man (laughs) bohemian rhapsody video it's uh, hilarious i I had that written down as well (laughs) uh um mine this 
they're all nitpicky like yours because we re- really like the movie, obviously. Um, I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is going to be just because I have to. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, buddy. Gotta I didn't mean, I didn't want to do this, Ryan. This is what they told me to do. Um, Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> um, number three would be this is so small, but the one of the tunnel scenes because all, all of the shots of the tunnel i thought were really cool and then there's like one where there's like a body bag or a trash bag or something that's like coming towards the camera like down the little like stream of water that's in the tunnel and like i, I thought it looked a little bit cheap i thought it could have been done cooler or you didn't even need to have that um i think um but again, like it's fine. It it like like the shot itself is cool. I just thought it kind. I could tell that there was some movie magic to like make that happen. I guess. Yeah, I think um, that might be the scene where because I was reading that they had to like do it in reverse, so they okay. like had to. I mean, all things said they had a very small budget for this movie and I was reading how many little things they had to do in order to make it work without having the money to actually film things like that. So I think one of those is one of the things that were mentioned in that situation. But yes, I agree. And that's why I hate to even bring it up because like, I like stuff like that. I like when there's like limitations due to whatever reason. And so you have to, I mean, you know, with sunset Boulevard, the, I was nerding out over the fact that they had a mirror at the bottom of the pool to shoot the body mm-hmm. from outside of the water. Cause there was no such thing as waterproof cra- ca- cameras. Like love it. But yeah. I'm amazed <laughs> you're referencing something you brought up in sunset Boulevard, which was <laughs> at this point, how many years ago? <laughs> it's Six? because I, Eight? I just love, I don't know. Guy. I don't know what year it was. <laughs> you're right. No, I, I think for the viewers, seven or, or eight for years the, for the listeners who have been with us this long, you'll remember. You'll remember. They were. Uh, uh, it was an episode six of High on Film. <laughs> yeah. One of the first ten. First yeah, ten. yeah. Oh man, another noir. Um, and uh, so number two uh, is I also I also picked Laura playing the piano. I didn't until you said that. Think about how that's a stylistic thing that is such a nod to every other movie. I, now I kind of wish I didn't put that, but at the time I was like, I don't need this. And it kind of, it's extraneous to the plot. Yeah. 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 And I felt that I felt like we're taking a pause from the plot for a second for this. Um, but now with realizing what that was for, I guess I still wish there was a way for it to still kind of move plot while giving us that, like everything else did, like the, the principal scene was still was giving us that, like, you know, that scene, but like also moving everything along. So I guess for, for that sure. reason, I'd pick uh, uh, her playing the piano. And then number one, um, I picked the fight scene. Which one? The, uh, with Brad, uh, with Brad. Hmm, <laughs> interesting. Um, not, I'm being nitpicky again, cause not really the whole scene. I just thought that like for the only two black people in the movie, he was, I just felt like it was a little, um, I don't know. He was a little annoying. I mean, he was supposed to be annoying and he was supposed <laughs> to be what he was, but I was just like, shut up. I don't know. I just, I, I didn't it got cool again when like Joseph Gordon-Levitt comes over and he's like, yeah, yeah. As in the, in the thesaurus, you can find other words for it or whatever he said. And I was like, ah, oh, this is cool dialogue. Okay, cool. I'm back. But just for a second, it was just very like me, like you said, me, Brad Bremish or whatever his name was. And I was like, yeah. oh, they're doing, I, on one end, I like when they're like, we're in high school. And so we get to have very specific characters, the very pretty girl, the like, you know, the greaser guy or whatever, you know, like all those things. The but he super was jock. Yeah, he was so super jock that I was like, oh, stop. Um, but yeah, just had to have three things. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I, I got to say, I like the way that fight scene is shot and edited. Well, yeah, I fully agree, though. The representation of this movie is minimal mm-hmm. 
had to put it out. Had to. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Noir in general is pretty yeah. goddamn white. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. Sorry to say. Yeah. We could still fix it. We still fix it. You know. All right, guys. It's time for our favorite podcast game. It's time for milking it. We're going to wheel out the big computer of Hollywood Ideas 2000 in a second here, and it's going to provide us with ages of Hollywood wisdom. And it's going to analyze just tons of facts about Hollywood (laughs) and genres and some actor names, some director names, and a couple of uh, pitch times, as I guess we'll call them. And it's going to give us a printout. Two things for each one of us. One, the aforementioned pitch time. We'll either get a elevator pitch, which will allow us 30 seconds to do what we're about to do. A water cooler pitch, which will give us one American minute. Or a boardroom pitch, which will be a minute, 30 seconds, to get out the best pitch you can of the second bit of information that the computer gives us, which is either a genre, actor, or director card, uh, which will allow us to reimagine the events, the characters, any pieces of the movie, brick, that you'd like to, and repurpose them for a completely different movie to put back out there and make a billion more dollars for the studio system. So... Yes, complicated premise, but as soon as you start listening to it, you get what's going on. I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> you shouldn't be. You've played this game before. <laughs> Just slightly different rules. <laughs> but you haven't seen this new, the brand new, big computer of Hollywood Ideas 2000. Oh, prepare yourself. Nope. Look at this guy. Look at this shining <laughs> piece of technology. Wow. <laughs> Let's fire her up. All right, here's the results. (laughs) What did the wise old machine give us here? Uh, We are starting. Brandon, you're starting. You've got the elevator pitch. Okay. 30 seconds to get out a movie. Okay. That is brick, but directed by Jordan Peele. Interesting. 30 seconds. A name, a t- or a name, uh, we call them titles here in Hollywood. Sure. A title and a quick summary of Jordan Peele's Brick. Okay. Mm. No, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> he's, he's not the hottest director in Hollywood now. Don't yeah, worry about it. It's fine. Okay. okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'll go next. I'll have the water cooler pitch, One American Minute, oh, to do Brick as a Wes Anderson film. Interesting. Interesting. All right. We've been deprived of his latest because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. And uh, that leaves Brad with the boardroom pitch, the the executive boardroom pitch. Yes. 90 seconds. Oh, Brad, you're going to love this. I am. To make Brick a Western. <laughs> oh, okay. I do like that. You like that? All right, great. Well, we're going to take a few minutes to gather our thoughts. And we'll be right back with more High on Film. Time to milk it. Brandon, we're starting with you. You have the elevator pitch. Okay. For a Jordan Peele movie, 30 seconds to get out the title and a quick summary. Okay. You ready? Yes. And away you go. Okay. This is Jordan Peele's Fever. This is about Brendan who discovers the body of his girlfriend and he slowly unravels a plot by white supremacists in his town to kill his girlfriend and pin it on him. So he spends the movie trying to find out who killed his girlfriend actually. And the town is full of white people. There's literally only three black people in the town, him, Megan Good, and uh, uh, old boy. And so (laughs) that is Fever by Jordan Peele. (laughs) All right. Well done. Thanks. Fever. That's a good title. That is a good title. Yeah, you know where it came from, right? 
Well, yeah. well, you know, Jungle Fever, because she's white, he's black, mm. in my version, which wasn't apparent in my 30 seconds. But, yeah, I mean, an offensive uh, term, Jungle Fever, but that's what they would use in a town like this that I've made up in my head. Yeah, And a pretty good Spike Lee movie. Uh, Jordan Peele? No, uh, Jungle Fever is a pretty good Spike oh. Lee movie. Oh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> different dude, don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, give me a little bit of credit. I, I, I was know like, the difference between Jordan Peele and Spike Lee. I was like, you've n- you've never been this way. What is happening? <laughs> Don't do this to me, man. Don't That's do this not to now. me. Not in the I last season. I came on season. your show. I came on both of your shows. <laughs> mm. Brandon, I, I promise you, I'll, I'm going to try my best to be a white guy that doesn't let you down, Appreciate man. you. Appreciate <laughs> you so much. All right, so Brad fun. Davis. Thank you. Um, Brad Davis, I'm next. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you are. Say. I was gonna say what? A, yes, you wanted me to confirm. Yes, you are next, Chris. I, I did. That's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I have the water cooler pitch. One American minute for Wes Anderson's Brick. Brick. Not gonna be called Brick. Good. Ready? Yeah. Ready, me? I'm ready, Chris. Okay. <laughs> Way to go, bud. It's gonna be taking place at Laura's party halloween in july which i know you guys maligned but i actually really liked uh in this movie uh but it fits the wes anderson aesthetic uh they're wealthy it's they're kind of quirky costumes and of course we're leaning towards the whodunit side of detective movies which i already maligned earlier in the podcast uh only this time the party is being held by the pin now played by bill murray uh a large brick of heroin was stolen from his personal stash and he's invited all the suspects to his house uh, shortly thereafter, Emily, Gwyneth Paltrow, is killed. Um, and, oh, Brendan, of course, uh, hasn't dressed up. He's the only one who hasn't dressed up like it is in this movie. Mm. I think that's a really fun thing. He's played by Owen Wilson. Luke Wilson mm. is the brain. Willem Dafoe is Tug. Kate Blanchett is Laura. Tilda Swinton is Kara in Wes Anderson's The Crime Sophisticate. Yes. Uh, good title. <laughs> That's great a great title, title great cast. Thanks. And great cast. That's well done. Oh, oh, that's better than mine. <laughs> Brad. Yes. Boardroom pitch. Boom. As as should I call it a rival genre? I feel like these two genres were kind of popular around the same time. Westerns and noirs. So uh, let's yeah. do it. Let's 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 flip-flop it. Here we go. Let's do it. 90, 90 seconds. For the boardroom executives. Go ahead. Okay, so Brick took place in a high school. We're going back to middle school for the Western. We have <laughs> we have Sheriff Fry. He's the hall monitor of the middle school, and he's on a mission. His deputy hall monitor was killed, and he wants some answers. He, sus- he suspects any one of the number of school gangs could be the culprits. He's got the artsy-fartsies theater kids crew the gym class gang the music men there's plenty of uh suspects out there he finds out that baseball cards have been hot on the market and one of the cases of baseball cards has been stolen and it had a ken griffey jr rookie card in that case and a fake was resold to someone and they're mad and they want revenge Sheriff Fry learns that the tug of the gym class king did it and also finds out that the teacher's pet, Laura, was behind all of it. He confronts her at recess and tells her everything and she is taken uh, to the principal's office and expelled. And he goes back to be in hall monitor in the title sucks but it works for the parallels of case. <laughs> okay. A brick yeah, of heroin, yeah, a case of baseball cards. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Great job, guys. I think we just stole, sold three more movies. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> to make the studio system a billion more dollars. Congratulations, everybody. Uh, yeah, I think, rich get richer. I think mine would maybe end up on Quibi and that's about it. That's okay. <laughs> A quick bite? No, come on. I don't think anything's going to end up on Quibi anymore. I know. That's why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. 
All right, guys, we only have one more segment left in the podcast, and it's Brad Davis. You just watched Brick. What are you going to do next? I'm going to rewatch Looper. It's, oh. I've, I haven't seen Brothers Bloom, but it's the only Ryan Johnson movie other than that that I have not seen more than once. And while I liked Looper enough when I saw it in theaters, I didn't love it. So mm. I think it's deserving of a second shot. All right. Brandon Black, you just watched Brick. What are you going to do next? I'm going to watch a bunch of Joseph Gordon-Levitt movies. Um, I I know I like him, but I feel like even though I've seen a few of his movies, like enough to like kind of have an idea of, of him sometimes when I'm onto somebody, I'll just watch everything like consecutively to kind of see like where, like their stuff from first movie to their last movie. So I think that's, I think I'm going to like go on a little Joseph Gordon Levitt tear. Little 10 things Excellent. I hate about you. Yeah. Get in. Great it. movie. It is a great Dirt movie. rock from the sun is an outstanding show. It's a great sitcom, right? Yeah. It's one of angels like, in the outfield. <laughs> And some, it, for me, it's always like, let me see what they were like in their first thing. And to be honest, sometimes it's like, yeah, look, like that's that's how they were in their first thing. Like, it's OK for me in my first thing if I'm not like, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt later in life because he's clearly grown. So I'm kind of just reassuring myself, you know? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Totally. He's great immediately. It's annoying. He's very good. I mean, he's good. A good kid actor in Angels in the Outfield, I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's annoying. He sells it. Chris. Chris. You just watched Brick. What are you going to do next? Uh, well, I think I'm about to jump on the internet and troll a bunch of people about how good The Last Jedi is. Uh, because this really just in, reminded me of how, like, rewatching Knives Out recently and rewatching Brick just reminded me of how good of a filmmaker Ryan Johnson is. And if you don't think The Last Jedi is in your top three best Star Wars films, uh, maybe I'll give you top four if you're a, if you're a <laughs> original, original trilogy purist. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's top three best Star Wars films. I'm going to heartily disagree with you. It's so good. It's so, so good. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll watch the brothers bloom. Yeah. I, I want to see it. I, I don't hear the best things. I think it might be his worst his one shortcoming. Yeah. In the, in his filmography, but Hey, what are you going to do? Sophomore slump. Am I right? Yay. His writing is so good. I'll, I'll give that guy a shot any day. Yeah. Well, guys, this is the end of the podcast. No. Uh, it is. <laughs> oh, it is. I've never done it before. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, Brad. Same. Guys, it comes as a surprise every time. Brandon, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Uh, for we should me. definitely tell people to watch Dear White People on Netflix. Yes, please. Where they can see you. Yes. Uh, they'll be able to listen to you, you specifically, this Friday mm. on episode two of Death and Sunset. Yes. Check it out. I haven't even heard it yet. I'm excited. Um, well, yeah, Friday's <laughs> two days away, my friend. Yes, sir. And um, I do have a little um, episode of Shameless in this last season uh, to check out. Uh, a couple commercials you may see around. So, you know, if you see it, just feel happy that your boys, you know, trying to get a couple COVID coins, you know, <laughs> trying to trying to stay alive, literally. Dude, oh, always great to see you. Nice to see that you're well, that you're working uh thank you so much for being on the show man thank you for having me it's been it's been cool to do this through the entire the the whole the whole run absolutely yeah seriously you were there at the beginning you're here now in the reboot yeah exactly brad anything to plug this week at bd always gp on twitter and instagram and please listen to death at sunset episode two is out this week we are so proud of it actors like Brandon and a, a lot of other people who were so generous in their time to uh, contribute to the project. We're just so grateful and we, we just want people to listen. We had a lot of fun making it and we think it's a very fun podcast. So please check it out. 
Yeah, and I'm at Cross Maxwell across your social media accounts. That's Chris with an O in place of the I. And uh, just to compound on everything else that people are saying, a rate and review Death at Sunset and High on Film wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play. Stitcher. Uh, Spotify. Stitcher. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Spotify. SoundCloud, wherever you want, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We got one more week of November wrapping up next week so tune in then we'll be back with like i said maybe not the not a masterpiece like these other ones <laughs> we're gonna watch the it's a little bit of a memorial too we're doing carl reiner's dead men don't wear plaid oh starring steve martin starring steve martin that'll be next week we love you guys thank you so much bye goodbye You're a lousy fucking softball player, Jack. Welcome to Brad Watches a Few Good Men over and over and over again. I'm Brad Davis. This is viewing number 38. And joining me for the 13th time is actor Brandon Black. Brandon, lucky number 13. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I can't do this anymore, man. I, I literally have nothing more to say about this movie. So you're saying you can't handle this movie anymore. Oh my god. You know, Nope. Ha. <laughs> I'm out. Thanks again, Brandon. Today, I'd like to focus on Daniel Caffey, the softball player. For starters, a solid swing. I know he whiffs on one, but come on, it's to me more. High on Film is a Maxwell Davis Productions podcast. For more information, follow at High on Film on Twitter and Instagram, or email the show at thehighonfilmshow at gmail.com. Original music by Zach Pfeiffer. Special thanks to Carly Walsh for lending her voice to this episode. <laughs>